Yuri Koto. Um, welcome to the Ubuntu 2024 podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Dr. Joe Scott-Jones, a rural GP based in New Zealand. The word Ubuntu comes from the Zulu and Kosa languages and roughly be translated as humanity towards others, the belief in a universal bond of sharing that connects all humanity. I am because you are. Ubuntu 2024 is an in-person and online conference jointly held by the Network for Towards Unity for Health and the Rural Wonka, the World Organization of Family Doctors Working Party on Rural Practice. Ubuntu 2024 will be the 45th anniversary of the Network Towards Unity for Health and bring the tough annual conference together with the 20th Wonka World Rural Health Conference. Ubuntu 2024 is hosted by five partners, the University of the Western Cape, University of Cape Town, Stellenbosch University, Cape Peninsula University of Technology, and the Western Cape Government Department of Health and Wellness. In September, Cape Town, South Africa, we'll see Ubuntu 2024 bring together health professionals, educators, and thought leaders from across the globe to explore the theme of people, place, and community for and policy for community wellness. Today, I'm talking to Bill Burdeck. Um, now, Bill is the Secretary General of the Network Towards Unity for Health. He's a professor of emergency medicine um, at the Thomas Jefferson University, Sydney Kimmel Medical College in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the US of A. So welcome, Bill. Tell us a little, did I get that right? Um, is that, does that, does that encapsulate you? You certainly did, Joe, and thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Tell us a bit more about yourself. Well, I am a uh, native New Yorker and um, went into medicine. Uh, well, the flip answer is because music was too hard. I was, oh. a, uh, I was, a, I was a trumpet player and went to the National Music Camp where I saw some real serious competition. I said, hmm, maybe I'll do medicine. That seems a little bit easier. <laughs> so... Um, my grandfather was a family physician in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, but I never met him. He right. died very young. Uh, so I sort of had that in my in my blood. But, um, you know, the economical times when I came up was, uh, let's see, it was the mid 70s. And there was a, a huge recession in the United States and engineers and scientists were driving taxi cabs and medicine seemed like a pretty solid solid career. I actually did think about um, chemistry and thought about engineering, but uh, at the time, that was not a good deal. I was, in fact, a chemistry major in right. college. Yeah. Um, went, went on to medical school at uh, Cornell University, in which happens to, the medical school happens to be in New York City. And then from there, went did residency in internal medicine at the uh, Boston City Hospital, uh, our, a wonderful institution and then came back to Philadelphia to join the faculty of what was then the new field of emergency medicine. So they were taking people, there was no such, well, there were very limited training pathways mm -hmm. in emergency medicine. So they were happy to take someone like me who had done, it was more than a general internal medicine residency. It was, um, it was called a primary care internal medicine residency. So we had done lots of time in the, uh, I won't say famous, but the infamous Boston City Hospital Emergency Department, right. you know, the Knife and Gun Club, and had done plenty of 
primary care and plenty of pediatrics as part of that program. So felt reasonably qualified. And at that time, one could enter the field and then get practice track, uh, the practice track pathway to get board certified. Right. So I was on the faculty in emergency medicine at uh, the Medical College of Pennsylvania since 1982 and uh, started teaching right away, actually. I was very early on, uh, took over the, what was it? The Introduction to Emergency Medicine. It was a two-week kind of a first aid course. And I converted that to a uh, clinical skills, problem solving. And then over a couple of years, that formally became the first year students clinical skills course. Yeah. So I taught that for many, many years. And then from that pathway, went on to help to develop the uh, United States Medical Licensing Examination in clinical skills. So I wow. had done enough in clinical skills, had a standardized patient background. Uh, and so I, uh, at that time, did a little bit of consulting with them. And then there was a there was actually a very large academic bankruptcy at the place where I was working. And so it seemed more, seemed, seemed advisable to flip over to uh, work on the clinical skills exam, which I did under the auspices of the Educational Commission for Foreign mm -hmm. Medical Graduates, which was developing an exam in parallel with the U.S. National Board of Medical Examiners. They had been working on it for 15 years and I think it was $20 million and hadn't gotten very far. We, on the other hand, had, a, I think it was $2 million in about four or five years. We were well advanced. We merged, we combined forces. Yeah. So the, the two organizations worked together. I worked on the clinical skills exam as the uh, assistant VP for operations, setting up the five exam centers for about three or four, four years. At that time, they started a foundation uh, for yeah. global health workforce development. I did both for a couple of years, and then I flipped over to the foundation. I mean, did you have time for anything else along the way with family and uh, well, eating uh, hoagies and Philadelphia <laughs> steaks? I don't know what, what a, I don't know what a hoagie is. I was doing a bit of research around Philadelphia itself. What is what is a hoagie? It's a very strange word that is in in some parts of the United States. It's called a sub or a submarine, right. uh, and I guess it is a long loaf, long uh, cylindrical submarine shaped piece of bread cut in half or cut the long way and then you throw in whatever you want that's a hoagie right uh, the, the philadelphia cheesesteak is sort of famously bad for your health uh, with uh, fried onions uh, fried steak and then uh, a, a cheese but only really bad cheese like the liquidy kind of uh, yeah. cheese whiz stuff on top uh, the key by the way if you're ever doing this on your own is absolutely fresh bread and so okay. once you got that Joe, you could go in business and start your own Philly cheesesteak place. Do you see the end result of that in your emergency department from time to time? Well, not specifically the Philly cheesesteak, but as, as you probably know, I mean, obesity and, and lack of exercise is a serious issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell us about the Towards Unity for Health and um, how does that work to bring people together um, does it? Um, what does it do to advance health and well-being for those people who most need it in our communities? Right. So, just a touch of history: the 
the Network Towards Unity for Health was started by the World Health Organization in the late 70s as the network of community-oriented medical schools. Right. Meeting in Jamaica, uh, Kingston, Jamaica in 78 or 9, brought together 17 medical schools doing community-oriented stuff, which in fact at the time overlapped a lot with problem-based learning. So most of the schools were doing that. Fast forward a couple of years and Charles Bolin was leading the World Health Organization effort in social accountability, which yeah. was under the rubric of towards unity for health. And then fast forward a year or two, and there was a mashup of the two efforts, hence the slightly awkward name, the Network Towards Unity for Health, which as you rightly said, is now called TUFH or TUF. Yeah. Um, so it brings people together uh, to work on the issues of equity and using improvement in health workforce efforts, improvement in health systems to try to achieve equity with a, a serious understanding that health equity is not just about uh, curative medicine, and it's not just about preventative medicine, but it's also about the ecosystem that surrounds all of us, the so-called social determinants of health. So that's yeah. that's our that's where our focus is. Yeah. And as the vice president, um, how much time does that take out of your the incredibly busy life from the sound of it? Well, let's see. Um, at this point, it's it's my it's a major focus of what I do. I stopped work at the foundation about uh, 2019. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I also stopped my clinical practice. I had been doing uh, emergency medicine part time through while I worked at the foundation. Mm -hmm. So TUFH is my major focus. I also teach a clinical skills uh, or I facilitate one of the small groups at Jefferson in, in clinical skills. Um, and I'm also involved with uh, um, uh, a journal, or is it called um, uh, Health Workforce Education and Education for Health. So two journals that we're involved with. Education for Health is the tough journal. Yeah. Um, and what else do I do? Well, that you know that does keep me somewhat busy, but um, doesn't doesn't prevent me from from doing the fun stuff like interacting with uh, with four grandkids and. Uh, uh, we, we have a, a sailing program on one of the rivers in Philadelphia. And then my wife and I ride a tandem bicycle. Oh, tandem we've bicycle. That, we've been doing that for about 20 plus years. My yeah. wife and I had one go on it and then rapidly changed to single bikes. <laughs> oh, well, bike. you know what it's called, Joe? It's, it's a relationship accelerator. <laughs> if your relationship is doing well, you're in good shape. If it's not so good, forget about it. Uh, forget about it oh, well, oh, well, that, was, that was 20 years ago so we're not doing too badly so why should people come to ubuntu 2024 well you know what's interesting is that we have had through the covid pandemic um high, virtual meetings so we had didn't meet in person for several years we had a virtual meeting mexico city a virtual meeting in indonesia and then last year we had our first in person actually it was a hybrid meeting in vancouver and what one realizes is the random interactions at an in-person meeting 
mm. are so interesting, so productive, um, and often lead to um, continuous relationships beyond that. So it's an opportunity to uh, connect with people. There's actually, I always joke that the most important things that happen at meetings happen at the coffee breaks. Yeah. Uh, that's that's where the really, you know, where you start to get to know someone uh, in addition to their obvious professional role. You hear about their grandkids, you hear about their tandem bicycling, you hear about, you hear about what makes them a person, which yeah. is actually, so that sounds nice on a professional level, but it's actually what we advocate in terms of getting to know our patients. Yes. It's also what I advocate in terms of getting to know our students. So, yeah. you know, I used to teach a course that was called the patient as a person. Uh, uh, and I joke that we really should also be teaching a course called the student as a person and another course called the professional colleague as a person. So these meetings are a way for me to get to know you, Joe, as a person to mm. hear about your adventures, trying to ride a tandem bicycle or whatever it is that makes you a multifaceted, interesting individual. And that's why these in-person meetings are so valuable. It's all about, it's all about connectedness. Um, I went to a faculty development program this week on how to teach students about empathy. And the bottom line was you teach students that this is all about connecting with your patient. That's what it means. That's what it's about. And connecting is you know, partly listening, partly respecting, but also to a significant degree, being curious. Yeah. Before yeah. we started this call, I said, Joe, tell me about you. You know, I want to hear something. About, I, want to, I want to know something about the person I'm talking to. And that's why people should come to meetings like Ubuntu. Thank you, Bill. And I look forward to meeting you in person in Cape Town in September 2024. And many others, anybody else listening to the podcast, watching the video, um, find out more about Ubuntu 2024 via the website, um, ubuntu2024.com. And, and we really look forward to seeing you there. Thanks, Joe.